0: hey brandon hey alan and welcome to dice over everything our miniatures gaming podcast yeah so i've noticed you went on a terrain kick lately just you know knowing we'd be playing more necromunda and you're like oh man having having cool terrain and this is cool Because one of our other friends built up i guess it's the zone zone mortalis terrain pieces uh he has the tiles basically Mm -hmm. but yes Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, it'd be cool to have a bunch of more terrain for this. So you, you gathered a bunch of that and made it all rusty and dingy looking and now I'm like, oh I wanna I wanna build more terrain now because I haven't built terrain since <laughs> More like, post apocalypse terrain. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's
1: it's like it's a great sister hobby to just like the miniatures because mm-hmm. it's not really a sister hobby, it's part of the same hobby, right? But it's a very different kind of thing because you have a lot more I don't know, it's more you're a lot more relaxed because you're not I don't know. You, you're just playing around.
0: <laughs> yep, At least like a,
1: for me. I guess you can make it more detailed. But for me, I, I feel like it's a lot more freeing. And I have a lot more um, ability to do, I don't know, just build stuff as well, right?
0: Yeah, you can like make whatever you're imagining as opposed to what the game imagines. And a I'm much more, I don't know if there's a good thing or bad thing, but I
1: do feel the uh, freedom to experiment more with the terrain. Because if I make multiple layers, I'm not obscuring as much terrain because it's supposed to be, you know, they're larger pieces, right? So mm-hmm. it's not as bad if I have like five different layers of paint because I tried five different color schemes to get before I got the right one.
0: Yeah, it's a big flat thing. You're like, eh, more paint. I'm just building. It just the makes the here. terrain
1: more, uh, more protected against scratches. Mm, yes.
0: And maybe they just repainted the the wall five times. That's why there's <laughs> yes, some other exactly. random colors showing through
1: yeah yeah so uh with that our topic is about terrain and setting up the battle what is it setting up the battlefield what was I the actual planning out the battlefields
0: what do you want what perspective are we taking I here i think
1: our what we called it was choosing your battlefield
0: mm-hmm. so are we thinking so of terrain this- and the
1: general battlefield
0: yep mm-hmm. So are we thinking of this from, like, the game design's perspective, or are we thinking of this from people who are just, like, setting up the table for the game?
1: Or, well, I was thinking about it more as someone who is trying to choose the right battlefields. Um, so this goes both into a design aspect of why I would choose games and which games I like uh, because of, of the terrain and, and the terrain that they use.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's is that's like and a then, that's like a top-down thing where the game plans the terrain for you, and you like what they've planned for you. Okay.
1: Yeah. So then, how important is that to choose games where you know where the battlefield is something that you like?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know
1: you do end up spending a lot of time if you want to make nice terrain, uh, creating that terrain, right? Um, and I think it's really important uh, for gaming that your terrain and your battlefield is actually. Um, it's fun to play on. Or what it's fun to play on and has has a bunch of uh, advantages like games where the terrain is or, or the battlefield is an afterthought I think that's a big mistake because it's really important for like how the how like what the terrain is and how much terrain they have and the size of the battlefield is really important on whether or not your game gets played often. Um, and how much your game gets played. And, and I think a lot of the times we don't really think about that when we choose games to play. And so no. that's the kind of aspect I was thinking
0: about it. How about you? Yeah, I guess you can take, like, sometimes I take the bottom-up approach of, like, no, I'll just build the battlefield to make this game mm-hmm. look like how I want. But in reality, if the rule set doesn't work for that sort of battlefield setup, then you're, you're mm-hmm. kind of just screwing up the game. So you do have to, like, look to the game a bit to have it give the yeah. right direction for the terrain setup. And I wonder
1: if the reason why I think about the games, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in, in the top down kind of way of, of like, oh, how am I going to choose this game? How, how how easy is it to set up this battlefield is I think when we generally play, we go over to my place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I end up setting up a lot of battlefields and, you know, I invite a lot of people over to my place so to, to play games. And so I'm the one who has to, you know, get the terrain, uh, set the table, put put back the table and if i keep the table out there i'm the one who's, who has to worry about oh do i keep this terrain out there and how does does my does my place even have enough space for this um so to me like i will actually choose games based on how easy it is for the table to like get set up right or for that terrain if, you already have yeah and the terrain that i already have how can how easily will it be for me to start playing this game right set this this up but if you're going over to a person's place uh, that is a lot less important right or if you go to a store right it's a lot less important that this place has that so that this game you know might need a lot of space and terrain and stuff like that
0: yeah if they're promoting the game hopefully they've done something with putting together a table
1: yeah okay so i guess the first thing is um does it i guess it does matter right like where you're going to play right yeah like if you go to a store like like for example let's say you play games workshop games and you always go to the games workshop store they will always or they should at least always have the terrain ready for the games that you're playing right so you don't even have to really think about it you just show up and they probably have tables specifically for 40k already set up or whatever, Age of Sigmar, or Kill Team, or whatever, right? You don't and even you have sh- to really think about it. You mm-hmm. just show up, and you're like, oh, this is the ideal terrain for this game, because, you know, you're, that's what it's, it's specifically set up for. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, do you think that, like, these hobby spaces for, like, 40k are... are um,
0: how important is that, do you think? Well, they even, like, from a top-down perspective, they even, like, create loads of terrain sets out there to show, like, mm-hmm. give you a direction for how you should build the board. I mean, in their rules, I don't think they give you quite as much instructions about how much of the board to fill, what types of terrain to use, or even very mm-hmm. good terrain rules. I feel like they used to. But, yeah, they, they did use to. They used to, to do that more. Yeah. But now it just seems to be from more of a sales perspective. It's like, here's some boxes there, $200. That's Go true. buy a bunch of these and knock yourself
1: out. When we started playing 40K games, or sorry, games Workshop games, like in 40K, they... I'm pretty sure they listed the terrain, but they, they told you go out and make your terrain, right?
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know they they had books on how to make terrain, and then they said you have to have like it so one fourth or one sixth of the table filled up. Something around there, yeah. Right, and we we were we were teenagers, or so we didn't. I don't think we ever got enough terrain. I think we eventually did at the very very end,
0: but we played a lot of games without enough
1: terrain, right?
0: Yeah, and like. Like when you come think about the battlefield strategies, you need terrain. Otherwise the only thing is you mark, usually just march your guys at each other and it, it just cuts down the amount of strategy you can do without interesting yeah. interesting terrain going on. It then
1: becomes like I don't know, what you call it like a Napoleonics, like line up your guys, shoot them, then the other guy shoots you, and then when you get close you charge at each, at each other, right? It when, when you're it was, younger and you've never really played any strategy games, that can be exciting, but as you play more and more, it just it's neither realistic nor is it um, nearly
0: as evocative, right? As when you have a, a field to actually play on. Oh yeah, you if you've only played it a few times, it's like, oh this is cool and novel. But once you've done it a bunch of times, it's like, well there's not that many decisions for me to make here. I can march forward, I can not march forward. So without yeah, good terrain you just the new experiences get cut down.
1: Yeah, and so the other thing when we used to play is we used to play on a four by six table. And just thinking about, and and we lived, we grew up in the suburbs, right? So, you know, we, our houses were pretty big, like our parents' houses were pretty big. Um, And so it actually, I think we, our our parents both also played ping pong, so we could actually play our games on Mm -hmm. ping pong tables. And I think you actually then eventually built a table specifically to play, right? The snow table? Yeah,
0: I built one or two tables, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, and and uh, our other friend Kevin also built a specific table. He didn't have a pinball table, so he had to build a table specifically for that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like this was a huge barrier to playing? Like, how did we even get into, like, like, is this, was this game specifically for, like, I don't know, middle class or upper middle class kids? Because how do you even get a table if you, you know, live in an apartment or something like that? Like a six by four
0: table. Where do you even put all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I I wouldn't even contemplate building a six by four table now with the amount (laughs) of trade I want.
1: Yeah, like, I don't know. uh, You know, we live in apartments right now, we live uh, in in the city. Um, And so I'm just, I have enough space to put out, you know, a six by four table, but I basically have to use my kitchen table, right? Mm-hmm. And then kitchen tables are not 6x4. So to play a 6x4 game, I have to get extension boards onto my kitchen table to actually play it. And this is very annoying, i got to say. Well, my, <laughs> kitchen,
0: my kitchen table does extend out. It's, it's okay. Oh, well, you can actually get a 6x4 table? I can get an 8x4 table, but anyway. Is, it, is yours 4 feet deep, though? No, no, it has to have table. It has to have pieces put on top of it. So you still
1: it. have to have an extension.
0: Yeah, it has to extend one direction, but not both directions somehow.
1: Oh, wow, okay. I don't
0: that's know, a barrier, man. though. Like it has to extend sideways. It's a doing?
1: huge barrier, mm-hmm. yeah, for when you're playing at home. And I think this is one of the big, the the biggest reasons why, like if you're living in a city or something like that, you need to go to play at a store. Because these stores will have play spaces that are 6x4, so you can actually play it. But, like... I'm just thinking. If you choose a game, let's say I don't know. I guess this is one of the things that GW did is they reduced their size of their tables. I think it's like 66 by 20 by 44 now or something like that. 66.
0: What? Yeah. Or
1: 60, 60 by 44 now for the for the game space, so that you can more easily fit on a dining table. Uh your board on a dining table, like they're like, okay, so we can't fit on kitchen tables because those are generally like 30, 33, or 32 by by fifty two or sixty. Mm-hmm. But we can fit on a dining table, right? With a 44 by 60. And I'm like, okay, sure. But like that
0: that included most maybe 10% people, more people? Okay, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if you don't have a basement, right? Art, can you play this stuff at home?
0: Oh, if you can you put a four foot wide table out? If you yeah, have like a normally do you play set up this dining game. room. Yeah, where do you play this game? Like if you I'm just I'm just looking to see how I've set up my room to actually make it possible to stand <laughs> beside a four foot wide table that I keep set up. That basically means you can't have anything on either side of the room if you don't have big rooms.
1: Yeah. And for for us, like I, I could set this up um set up my six by four on my kitchen table but when we're playing and then you know we want to eat that's my kitchen table where i usually eat (laughs) so so we want to take a break while we're playing and Mm -hmm. then eat and then come back to the game to finish it It becomes a big pain in the ass
0: that's why you need to be in suburbia with a suburban house with a living room and a dining room and a you need a kitchen with a da- table. Then you need a dining room with another table. And maybe you need a basement for more, like, tables. So just yeah, so this,
1: this is this is just, I don't know, man. Like, I don't understand how people can still play on 6x4 tables for this giant battlefield. Just just based on the, on the space. And I guess that's why you have to go and play at a store, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so annoying. And, like, even though I can do it, I just do not, just because of the size... Like, like I, I think we've talked before about how I really, actually, quite enjoyed Warlords of Erewhon, the game.
0: Okay.
1: Um, as a it's like a medium-sized uh, fantasy battles game. Um, but you're supposed to play on a four by six table, and that is definitely when I think about playing that game versus taking out a game that's much smaller that has a much smaller footprint. I'm like, why don't we play the smaller footprint one just because? of the pain in the ass to get that 6x4 table. And then on top of that, if you have a 6x4 table, you got to fill it with terrain, like we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So then you need even more terrain. just Just the amount of effort it takes to
0: even create your battlefield is just so much more effort. So do you think people, considering getting into the game, really think of that before they buy the miniatures? Or do you think no, it's too don't. late for them by the time they, they buy the miniatures and the game books?
1: Well, it's not too late. They just don't play the game. Yeah. They buy it, they might paint their models, and then they might play it every once in a while. <clears throat> and to them, they think about it as, oh, this game is takes too long, right? But oftentimes, the, the, the part that takes that adds that extra half an hour is like just setting up the table and then putting everything back, right? Which is the least fun part of the game. And the bigger your your thing, if you have to put on extensions, right? To even play the game. And then you have to fill the table with terrain. And a lot of people don't necessarily, unlike us, they don't like making the terrain. Um, like if you haven't done it before, it seems like tedious, mm-hmm. especially if you need want to work on your army, right? And then if you have a giant army, your army is also tedious. So like you have extra tedium on top of tedium.
0: So So is your it, is your thesis here that games that like have big initial like join ins but then end mm-hmm. up people like drop out really, really quickly and the game never like goes beyond the initial hype, that the game designers mm-hmm. haven't thought about the actual logistics of being able to play the game?
1: Yes. Like the game may look extremely
0: so. cool, like you show pictures of it on the table yeah. and also these giant armies, these amazing like boards six by fours full of terrain where you have this beautiful big expanse and then people go and try and play it and they're like oh shit this is hundreds and hundreds of hours to like build this army build this table store it somewhere have to pack yep. it up take it out rearrange my whole yep. house it just <laughs> yes this is this but th- you even
1: have time to play it even if you do all of that when mm-hmm. do you have time to pack it all out and put it out put it out there usually then you end up playing what like four times a year like apocalypse right Mm-hmm. whatever so, apocalypse
0: can look great but it's just too much effort okay so this is going into into our future reference of the thesis of what makes a game dead on arrival yes okay
1: um or at least it it, it it's not necessarily dead on the rival because like like we said right
0: you can yes. often buy
1: into the game but then you just don't want to uh
0: play it because it, it takes so much effort to do yeah so it's not just like a, it's not just oh people bought this because of FOMO. It's like no, it was like just unusable the product. Yeah, just because of the size. So I think
1: six by four is way too big, right? Like we said, right? Um, but one of the games we play a lot, uh, and and our, one of our favorite games is the next size down, which is generally four by four, right? Yep. So, what do you think about the terrain for Infinity and the battlefield and the size and all the things that go
0: go uh, into that game? So that game does tell you to put quite a bit of terrain on the board. If you look into the rulebook, mm-hmm. they will show you like example tables of how much yeah. terrain you want to put down. They don't tell you like twenty five percent or whatever. There's like here's a diagram. Have some heights going yeah. on like this. They literally show you a picture that you should say that your your table should look somewhat like this. Yeah. abstract picture I think they just have blocks I think where they succeeded is that they don't unlike GW they don't just put out like $200 terrain sets that you've got like put together and paint they're just like Uh here's a bunch of pre-painted stuff and then buy three of them way below that price point and just buy a couple of them and you can build Uh that sort of board so they it's not the nicest terrain ever because it's all just flat printed terrain but they've made cardboard they've come up or they've partnered with people. Heavy cardboard,
1: who, or yeah. I guess what do you call it, like chipboard. It's like the board game board. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But they've at least partnered with people and released themselves enough terrain to get past that obstacle, and just partnered with people who who print more mats, because mm-hmm. like you got there's so many printed four by four mats out there for neoprene back ones that there mm-hmm. are quick ways to just throw your money at it and you solve the problem. Whereas yeah, GW, think... the amount of money you have to throw at it to solve that problem is using their promoted solutions. It's mm-hmm. like you're into like $700 of shit to, to get a GW table. And then mode. you have to
1: paint it, which is kind of a big deal, right? Yep. So I, th- I, I, I agree with everything you said. I think one of the smartest things that Infinity did when they released their new editions is that you got little packs of terrain, right? And the third edition ones, you got thin um
0: just paper based paper cardboard
1: paper cardboard ones that you kind of fold up but but the boxes especially were really useful right even if you filled out your buildings uh, more um the little boxes were always useful to like a scattered terrain that, that were just good for the game and the thing with infinity is it requires a lot of terrain like the most hobbying like size stuff that you're going to have on the board on like uh 40k is going to be the terrain right mm-hmm. you need to fill it like it's a city right yep. um so because of that um it actually is kind of a big barrier to playing the game i think four x four is a lot easier to play like even if you have extensions a lot less extensions than but six x four right mm-hmm. um what so it's a lot easier to just get two board, like to 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 get that size out and and, and play it um, and you can fit it more easily in more places right it becomes a little bit more easy to play at home like on, on your own and then you need oh my god if you had to do a six by four board and fill it with that much terrain i think that would actually be a serious uh barrier to playing uh, infinity um and then the other thing is that infinity Code 1 has a size that you can actually play on a kitchen table. I mm-hmm. think it's
0: 32 by 48, right? Oh, I think it's even... the base size is even smaller. It's like a poster size. So
1: Yeah, I think it's... I think the size you're supposed to play Code 1 by is, is 25 points, right?
0: And then I think it's 32 by 48. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the slightly larger version, not the big... Big version, but like the medium version is about that size, yeah. Yeah, so
1: that is like playable on a kitchen table. And and I think that is a really good way to do it. And basically, like you said, they now come out with these relatively affordable paper sets that you can play. Like they look pretty good for the fact that they're just, you know, cardboard stuff, right? And you can, if you're playing the the Code 1 version, 32 by 48, um, you just need like two of those sets, basically to go and play it right or, or maybe if you want to have like a you know a proper dense one you can buy two of those and then the the expansion one because they have a smaller expansion set to go right and then you can mm-hmm. fill a board but it is an extra cost that people don't think about right when you do this mm-hmm. like because because infinity is science fiction and you want to build have buildings right as your main terrain pieces um because you're playing with covert ops teams um Buildings, a lot of people are not as confident to make, right? Because you got to do trim and they got to look square and everything like that. Um, so buying this kind of paper terrain is is pretty good way to get into the game and make it easy for people to do, right? And then you don't have to spend, but but people don't really think about the cost of that terrain, right? It's like what a hundred
0: a couple sets would be you know, 120 bucks
1: yeah so so if you want to fill up a board it's like 120 bucks and of course you can fill that out with like terrain that you made but if you just need to buy in like when people like like you talked about right for for the big games it's the same thing for infinity right where you buy your armies and you're like oh this is pretty cheap you can buy like two armies for 150 bucks right and then you have you and your friend playing for like what under 100 dollars, right this is Canadian, even, right, to start the game, right? Obviously, once you get into the game, you'll continue to buy if you like it, right, because you just want more options and different things, even though you can have like, your army for, for $100, right? Um, but the cost for the terrain is still
0: like an extra $100 that kind of blindsides you often. Yep. So that, that whole poster size table thing brings me to think of Kill Team. Where I think GW actually did a really good job, like promoting what you ought to be doing with terrains. It comes yeah. with the armies, and it comes with the terrain set that works well at that table size.
1: Yeah, I and think the kill team stuff is amazing. Honestly, I think this is the best box that, like, yeah, from the outside looking in, as as just like marketing and like logistics, not talking about the game or models at all, just mm-hmm, that that box. Absolutely is amazing
0: yeah no i think the whole setup of that is very easy it packs away easily the cost Mm -hmm. once you factor in the quality of terrain he gives you give you is great but i think we've talked before about our thoughts on the game so that's that's another thing that goes into the thesis of what causes a game to taper off immediately to disappear after like a big initial jump yeah
1: but that kill team i i gotta say like (laughs) uh I'm not that into the game designers, I guess, for the Kill Team, but whoever did the general marketing and the general planning of, like, let's sell these boxes with the two armies that you can play. So each box is a starter box or a self-contained gameplay thing, right, mm-hmm. is brilliant. with its It comes with its own mat and its own terrain and everything, and I believe everything should end up fitting back into the box that you bought it in, right? Oh, really? Cool. I don't know if it does, but it should, because the boxes that you buy them in are, like, Pretty nice, like, thick board game boxes, right? The box, like my Kill Team Octarius box, um, which I bought on discount because not enough people bought it. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's a really nice
0: box. I'm going to keep that box just to put stuff in, right? Yeah, I can see the cathedral's not fitting back in. But no, I totally would have bought a whole bunch of that terrain for just infinity use because it's nice plastic stuff if it wasn't covered in skulls. But it's got to be covered in skulls.
1: Uh, the Octarius has the orc drain that I just
0: assembled, so... That's it's a little too far towards the ruined part. But if you're trying to build some sort of ruined, like, shantytown, I can see it.
1: Yeah. But the fact that it comes with all those pieces is... the And the fact that the board is only 22 by 30, and then... It makes it so much easier to play, like we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you will actually get that on the table, hopefully, right? Because, you know, you you assemble all the terrain and then the board, and it all comes together, and you can easily not just fit this on your kitchen table, which you definitely can 22 by 30, you can often fit it on your coffee table, which means we could play Kill Team, if we wanted to, for some reason, on my coffee table, and then when it's, you know, if we want to take a break for for food, we could still use my kitchen table. Mm -hmm. That's like... That's amazing! That's like such good form factor and makes it so easy to play that I would think to play Kill Team, except for the fact I don't like the game. Mm -hmm. Right? But in terms of form factor, in terms of Battlefield, that is honestly one of the best things that GW has done. Pushed that smaller form factor, that 22 by 30 and said, you don't need these larger sizes, right? We can... And then, because it's only 22 by 30, you need less terrain, right? One of the biggest issues, I think, when we are growing up is not having enough terrain, like I said before, right? But when you buy a box, it comes with the terrain needed for the actual board, right? And it comes with the board, and then you just, you know, take it out and play it. That is, um, I don't know, I'm kind of the, the best kind of battlefield that I would want,
0: right? Yeah, I can. I, I can see that the quality of the terrain is there that they encourage you to use, which I like. So, mm-hmm.
1: And you don't have to go out looking for third parties to kind of do it, so... Um, I don't know, I guess we bash GW a lot, but, like... I'm so impressed
0: by that form factor and, and those kind of boxes. Uh, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's a lot from the designer's perspective of, it. I guess, with what they're pushing. Do we want to keep going on with other games from designers' perspectives? Because there's a bunch. Yeah, I of guess them. we might as well. We'll just talk a little bit about the form factors
1: of the last two. Uh, is three by three. Mhm. Um, what do you think about the three
0: by three size? So I think three by three is Malifo. actually. Yeah, yep. I think three by three is actually really great. That it can function mm-hmm. a lot like a four x four as long as you tell people just you don't have big deployment zones. You deploy closer to the back, and you still have a good space between your armies, which often when you play 4x4, you have 12-inch deployment zones, so you're starting 24 from each other. 3x3, you can still start 24 from each other. Yeah,
1: you just have less maneuverability, so you won't necessarily Mm -hmm. have snipers. But oftentimes in a 4x4, it doesn't even make sense to have a sniper, especially if you have futuristic weapons, Mm -hmm. because snipers shoot kilometers now. So in the future, you'd, you'd assume they'd be able to shoot even further. So why would you even have a sniper in the game? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily even make sense, right? Like a 3x3 three three gives you enough range to, to be in the 28th scale to have like assault rifle kind of ranges from end to end, right? Mm-hmm. Like an assault yeah. rifle, technically, with trained troops, you should be able to shoot across a 4x4, four four, right? And a 3 by 3 now you definitely should be able to shoot across it, right? So, like, as long as you have the, the correct rules, like, I, I do really like the 3 by 3 right? Um, it is a little bit big for a kitchen table, like we said. Like, a kitchen table is generally 33. not They're not often 36 inches wide. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes you do need the extensions.
0: Mm-hmm. So... But at least your room doesn't yeah. have to be huge.
1: Yes, that's right. At least you can actually, you know, actually fit that small extension onto your kitchen table. And I think once you add three by three, you're at a size that people can actually play in like an apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when you play three by three, um, you'll be playing skirmish. This is like, just because people don't like playing battle field size games, right, on a three by three. I think it can work if you have the right rule set, but
0: kind of generally right you playing
1: skirmish, yeah. And this is the size that we, you know, Frostgrave also has in, uh, besides Malifaux, right? And I think it really works, it makes it easy to play. Um, oh yeah, and, and like and, you said, you can even do a four by like four
0: players, right? Because everyone can be spaced 24 inches. Yeah, as long as you just shrink the deployment yeah. zones. So when you think about the amount of terrain you need to fill out the table too, just to give like we talked before about how a GW game on a six by four looks cool with all the stuff on it, like filling out mm-hmm. the table properly looks cool. So when you think of a square footage of a three by three, you've got nine square feet. Versus yep. a four by four of sixteen square feet, so almost you need done, like man. you need all, like eighty percent more terrain just to go up yep. to that four x four. So that's like yep. you're not half the terrain, it's but you're close lot. to half the terrain. So you can put yep. a if you want to do a really nice terrain, you're doing like almost half as much of it to put a lot of effort in. Or if you're just yep. paying straight up money for like GW quality terrain, that's hundreds of dollars less in terrain and time to build it. So you can get your really good battlefield so much more easily at a three by three.
1: Yeah, it just makes it a lot easier to play. And then also how much terrain you need to you know keep in a box to actually put it to, get, to put it on the table, which means it's easier to set up, right because you're putting in 80% less terrain on the table, which means you take off less 80% less terrain. It's just such a big deal for the 3x three, three. Yeah, and, and then it's... you can even play games where if you have the terrain then you can play much denser games, right? Frostgrave is supposed to be really dense, even I think denser than infinity actually.
0: Oh, yeah, they tell you you shouldn't be able to see 24 inches away because you have so much terrain. Yeah, on the ground level, yeah. Yeah, the other thing is, like, a lot of there's a lot of cool terrain out there that has, that has vertical elements to it. Like, mm. Necromunda pushes a bunch of terrain like that mm. for some of their sets. But honestly, when you get up to a 4x4 board, it becomes incredibly difficult to see to the other side of that really tall terrain. You have to just walk to the other person's side of the board to have any idea what's on the other side of it. Yeah. But as long as you stick to a smaller size game board... Like, any, a full-size adult can just lean over a 3x3 three three far enough to see most of the stuff without having to walk too far around it. Yeah. But when you go to 4x4, four four, you start putting those big buildings. Like, if they're in the middle, it's kind of okay, but if you put them in, like, the person's deployment zone, you've got zero yeah. idea what's behind any of them. Yeah, So once true. you switch down to that small-size game board, you can really do a lot of cool things with adding vertical elements, especially if you want the game rules to work with that yeah that small size game board could like works better if you're trying to build a game with that aspect.
1: Yeah. I think three by three for like a skirmish game, like it's good. And I, like I said, I do like the, the 32 by 48 for the, um, infinity game board, mm-hmm. uh, for the smaller code one. And I, if they started again, I wouldn't mind that being the standard just cause it's easier to, to lay out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the last one is like the non-standard one, which is for the the, the game board size that we chose for our games, uh, like Blood of Stars, is twenty-four by thirty-six.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think now you can kind of, if you if you heard us talking about all these different things, you can kind of understand why we chose the twenty-four 4 by thirty-six. Um, It's easy to play. You can play it on your kitchen table, right? Most kitchen tables can do 24 is a little bit short to – a little bit long to play on a a coffee table. Mm -hmm. But there are coffee tables that you can play it on, right? Like my coffee table is 24 inches wide, so.
0: Yes. The other thing is if you go to a game store that more specializes in magic and other card games, board games, Mm -hmm. they're not going to – they won't even have your 4x4 or 4x6 tables because they're – just how they've laid out their store is meant for their – usual customers so if you're going to try and like have even the three by three
1: is often often they don't necessarily have
0: mm -hmm. they just won't have a little
1: bit weird because i'm pretty sure the mats that they they have aren't they like oh maybe they're 12 by 18 Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because the 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 normal like foldable game uh sorry uh, tables that a lot of game stores have because you know oftentimes they need to lay out extra tables for tournaments and things like that right yeah it'll be the 24 by 48 boards uh, sorry, tables.
0: Mm-hmm. tables, yep.
1: Yeah, so that's just a standard size that, you know, a 24 by 36 can actually play on. And instead of, you know, you can do a 24 by 24 as well, but, like, the 24 by 36 just gives you that extra room to maneuver and things like that, right? It's the same kind of thing as the 22 by 30. It's just 24 by 36 is also standard measurement, right? hmm So it's a lot easier to just, like, to- measure and, and, and Yeah. It's a little bit weird if you, like, the thing, the reason why you can do a 22 by 30, like, let's be real, the reason why Games Workshop chose that size is probably because they're boards, which were 22 by 30. They're like, what's
0: the, the size of board we print? Oh, we do it by 22 by 30. So they yeah, just, that's, that's okay, standard, the game fits it. It's a standard poster yeah. size, so it's affordable to yeah. just choose a standard and use it and affordably print yeah. out things that But size. it is a
1: weird size. Mm-hmm. Right, so you know, we did choose 24 by 36, easy, easy, you know, feet, feet sizes, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: fitting all of the criteria
0: we talked about before. Yep, and basically, like, it involves smaller deployment zones to keep the armies further yep. apart at the beginning. And yes, exactly. And it being wide means you—it's fairly wide compared to the number of guys. As long as you keep it wide compared to the number of units on the board,
1: exactly—it means that where yeah. you
0: place guys matters. so, like, if you try and flank, yeah. it's relevant because your guys yeah, aren't you going to go still all flank. the flank, exactly. Right? Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, so as long as the game is designed for that kind of thing, I think it works really well. And again, we talked about, you know, the 9 by 9, sorry, that 3 by 3, which is 9 nine feet squared. Uh, ours is 2 by 3, so it's six,
0: 6 feet squared. Again, you need, again, commensurately less terrain, right? Yeah, and it's more about just being able to fit on a table that everybody has is also the thing. Like yep. Kill Team does it, and we're like, oh, this is really good. The idea they came up with, yep. like, you can play this in a board game store. So. Yep, you can play this on your easily on your kitchen table or on your whatever coffee
1: table. It's easy to set up. These are like, I don't know, that to me this is such a big deal. So
0: yeah.
1: Mhm. Yep, All right, so. so I think we've talked enough about. You know generally game table uh why why these different size form factors kind of matter uh, i think you wanted to talk a little bit more as a hobbyist
0: or a, a gamer oh yeah you would choose yeah so basically like when you set up the board for the game like mm-hmm. as the game where you're going to choose all these things so hopefully you have a good selection of terrain before you start setting this up
1: yeah
0: but often because well, I think this doesn't matter for which game system it is, but I think you often want to have a balance of, like, open areas when you build a board and mm-hmm. more close-quarters areas, just so that, like, depending on what type of army style you bring, you're not going to be forced into, oh, well, we only have... we don't have enough terrain. Like, we've spaced the terrain out so far that, oh, the only type of army you can bring when we build this board is just a long-range gunline army. Mm-hmm. When you build your board, you want... Like, if you build both... It allows players to be more creative with the armies they build so yeah. just building the board so you've got places to like move up through the terrain towards your opponent's army it shouldn't be the whole thing either because then you should yeah. just make the whole thing close quarters because now yeah. only like close combat armies are now the best so just making sure as the board builder that you like incorporate that into your layout is always good
1: yeah I think I think a lot of uh, well, when you have enough terrain, you can always put less terrain down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but most games that we play have that kind of dynamic of close-up specializing forces and then the, the further long-range forces. Mm-hmm. So you do end up having to balance that, otherwise the game just ends up not working, right? So when you do that... Is there, like, specific kind of – I think we've talked about in a previous podcast of, like, quintessential terrain. But when you're setting that up, Mm -hmm. you're saying open spaces versus, you know, longer-range spaces. Are there general things that you can do to make the terrain work? Or are there specific pieces or types of terrain that you want so that you have this kind of open spaces, longer-range spaces, uh, places, like, enough terrain that a fast movement army can – that's another thing that you, you want, right? You don't mm-hmm. necessarily just want your, you want fast moving armies to be able to duck in and out of cover because that's the advantage, right? Be able to hit hard and then get away, right? This is the kind of thing that fast fast armies are supposed to specialize on. And that also needs a bunch of terrain, right? And space in in certain ways. Are there mm-hmm. general thoughts about setting up the, ter- the the table or terrain pieces that you,
0: kind of terrain pieces that you want to be able to do all those things? Yeah. So I think the whole thing about being able to have portions where just like more close combat, short range oriented guys can move up is that once you put the terrain down, you just sort of get down to eye level, look across the board and see like, am I seeing across the board almost everywhere or just how far apart the pieces are spaced? Like can the regular speed guys jump from terrain to terrain as they move up the board so that you basically just look, look for that. And then as far as the fast pieces, like they're trying to flank usually. So having some yeah. pieces along the side of the board that are sort of rather than just blocking your view from one side to the other, it's kind of more blocking or cutting you off. A, yeah, entirely cutting, from cutting you away. off from just going straight across. You're more looking at the board sideways of, okay, if something mm-hmm. advances, is that guy going up the side of the board not going to be seen as he sort of makes that flanking maneuver? So. Yeah. I
1: also think one thing that a lot of starting players, mini- miniature gaming players, do is that they think of the board as a grid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Uh, and they think about it as, you know, just like, lo- like horizontal and, and um, horizontal and like width and height, uh, width and depth, right? So you got your, your horizontal kind of thing. I'm looking at it this way, and all the buildings just line up as boxes mm-hmm. in that's that kind of grid pattern. And I think one of the ways that you can immediately make your um, battlefield more interesting is literally just turn the battlefield diagonal, right? Your grid, just turn your grid diagonal on the terrain that you set up there, right? Because that changes, you're much less likely from one deployment zone to the other to have you know, your direct lines of fires because the entire board is now diagonal, right? Mm-hmm. Against your deployment, which means... The, your interesting lines sometimes you can still get uh like like you said we still want some some long-range you know fire lanes that make it harder for the person to, to to go through so when you turn a diagonal you still have them but they often will need a little bit of work to get to right and then because the, the battlefield is diagonal you can also you don't have to necessarily even cross some of those lanes right to get to the other side right and get and engage so I think that's one of the easiest ways to just make your battlefield more interesting, what, like when, especially when you're beginning and you haven't really thought about, you know, haven't played enough tables to understand what makes an interesting uh, field and what
0: doesn't. Yeah, so I think that comes into another thing that's closely related of the length of the routes you create that can be followed around the table. Mm-hmm. So when you're building the table, like you've got to know what game you're playing, certain games will allow guys, they have guys that go really, really fast they can take really, really long routes around the table or they just yeah. give ways to boost speed or they have unlimited turns. So you can just keep... You have five turns to go around the side of the board if you need it. So on mm-hmm. those on those sort of games, you can have really, really long routes, really, really big buildings. But mm-hmm. in games that say have maybe only five turns and your guys only move eight inches each, if you build this really impressive building and put it right in the middle of the board and it's like mm-hmm. 16 inches wide... Now, once guys commit to being on one side of that building or the other, they're kind of set for the entire game. So if your yeah. game doesn't allow for lots of repositioning, just going and building terrain that's really big doesn't is not going to work for your game system you're trying to play. So that's just yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny and interesting that, uh, you know, when when
1: you play video games, there's a lot of people that kind of respect um, like level builders, for example, on, on um, what's that game that you used to play? a lot. Oh, Counter-Strike? Yeah, Counter-Strike, right? Like the level building is so important for the game and also mm-hmm. for StarCraft, right? Your your actual maps are so important, right? And they have professionals who literally work <laughs> so hard to make sure that the map is uh, fun to play on, right? And, you know, as miniature gamers, we're all kind of, you know, when we set up the, the, the table, we're basically level designers, right? Mm-hmm. And we can often just ruin a game by being bad at it, (laughs) especially if they don't give us the ability to do it. So this is one of those things like uh, sometimes, you know, you can play a game and you can think that the, the game is total crap, but it's because you chose the wrong terrain. Right? The, the wrong battlefield for the game that you're trying to play. Exactly like you're saying. You build this giant cathedral that's beautiful. It mm-hmm. might look great from, from three feet off the table, right? When you have this giant cathedral in the middle, but it might be unplayable, right? When you actually play the
0: game for certain games. Yeah, when you build big training pieces like that and you keep using them over and over, there's less ability to like reconfigure. Whereas if you build three small buildings, there's so many ways you could fit those buildings together into one larger piece. Mm-hmm. That you get a more int- like novel experience each time you use them, whereas if you put that big thing on the board, it kind of plays the same way in every game.
1: Yeah, so this is I guess one of those things. If you're assembling your own terrain, um, make it, it's it's much better in general to have them be modular and kind of fit together. So sometimes you you might want that big um, centerpiece where they can come together and Voltron to be this beautiful like cathedral, let's say like multi-level cathedral, but then when you don't want that to be your centerpiece, right? Um, then you can have the ability to break it down and use them as smaller pieces on the table to switch up, not only like switch up the game play and keep things mm-hmm. interesting, but like,
0: actually, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not well, we'll make... that is the reason why you do it, right? So you can split it up and, and have different ways to play it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, or if you're gonna have bigger pieces, at least maybe make them asymmetrical, so that depending on how you rotate it when you put it on the board, it'll play a bit differently. Like, don't have sniper purchase on every single side.
1: Yeah. So if and, you turn and it. you can change things up, and like especially like we said, right, right level design. Um, when you start playing a game, you even if you're like an old veteran, like us who've been playing military games for like 20 years, right, or more. Um, when you play a new game, you won't know what the ideal battlefield is for that game, right? It takes a few games mm-hmm. to do it, right? So if you build your terrain to not be modular and you're wrong about what terrain the game needs,
0: you might end up making terrain that doesn't fit the game. Yeah, because like the terrain rules infinity changed. I'm like, oh, okay, this this totally changes the game of how you've gotta build terrain mm-hmm. now. It it actually yeah. widened what you can do, which was nice. Yeah. So yep, yeah, like that can happen. It doesn't happen it usually happen very often. But certain games will like, demand that you have, if you're in an area of a piece of terrain, it gives you an effect. So you have to start modeling the terrain so it's really clear where your guy is in relation to all of it. Which, which makes me yeah. think about War Machine, which is maybe not a good thing. We'll stay away from War Machine <laughs> for terrain. I didn't want to go there at the beginning. But like, yeah. you've got to model the terrain to fit to the rules too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think War Machine had a had an issue where they didn't. They, they, they went so direction. tournament heavy that they kind of, they didn't actually start that way. It, it started out as a very terrain, like terrain important, actually, but like people, they like terrain, right? You looked at all of their games, they had like beautiful terrain, they they hired people to make beautiful terrain to play their games. And then because the tournament crowd took over, they devolved into like 2D zones so that it's easier because the, the you know, millimeters mattered in that game.
0: If you wanted to set up a train, uh, tournament for 100 people, it's just easier to put a bunch of pieces of paper on the board.
1: And felt. Uh, I, I don't know if you can tell the disgust I had on my voice, but yeah, that kind of hurt that game, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. At least it it killed, for me. It killed, it killed creativity, anyhow. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I, I think on that actually brings us to another part about when you're you're building your boards as a player of like, creating an immersive environment for your board, Mm -hmm. which doesn't just come down to like spending crap loads of money on really cool terrain. It just kind of comes, (laughs) but it can, we can, it helps. Don't worry. I know how to do that, (laughs) but it just having like terrain that all fits together in terms of its look. If you have a bunch of like MDF mixed with plastic mixed with a bunch of like trees that came from like the craft store, it's not all, it doesn't, it's not necessarily going to fit together. Just, make, just making sure like the train has the same sort of colors to it, it's got the same base to it, it's got the same That's theme, goes a long way into not just making it look like you just pulled a bunch of random stuff out. It looks like, yeah. it's just, in terms of that creativity thing we just talked about for War Machine, Yeah, that it, it looks like there's actually like, it's more immersive if it looks like it's all one real place when you can build your terrain, yeah. so...
1: Yeah, I think this is one of those things that you really like doing. It's basically like you're setting up terrain to make it that when you put your models on and everything, it becomes a diorama, right? Yeah. It's not just a random eclectic group of of blocks. It actually looks like your diorama where they're moving around in a city or a forest or things like that. And it really helps get you into the game and, and like just it, it allows you to enjoy just looking at the game as you're playing it, right? Every time you look at the thing, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. This is a great diorama. And Then you move the guy around, it helps keep you engaged in the game, and everything is beautiful like that, right? As opposed to moving through felt, like, it, it kind of does the opposite, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A felt yeah. forest, where it's just, like, a, a felt... It's not even... There's no trees. It's just a
0: zone. Yeah, well, just, just talking about this makes me want to bring my multiple boxes of Frostgrave terrain to one of the games at the store, but... Logistically, how to do that? We've got to figure that out.
1: <laughs> That's one of the issues, right? Like we said, the smaller it is, the smaller the table is, the easier it is to bring. Yeah, and you have less terrain to bring.
0: Mhm. We're only talking about playing a four by four, and we're playing multiple. We're playing like four people to a four by four, and Frost gave us this. Why yeah. it's a four by four. Anyhow, the other thing about making things more immersive is that a lot of people will focus on just like the big pieces that you put on the board because those uh-huh. those make the most difference for the tactical gameplay but they'll sort of forget about all the little scatter things that you would actually find in the real world that give like that character and make the place feel lived in. Like so garbage have,
1: cans,
0: like cars on a on
1: a street or something like that, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it just gives you the feel of like what area you're in and just in terms of strategy if the game rules work well for it having more of that's better up. For certain game rules where they don't deal with what you're supposed to do with all these little bits, it can be. Mm-hmm. If the game designers haven't built it to acknowledge those parts, maybe you can't use as much of it or you've got to put that off to the side. Yeah, but, I think you can always use it. I think one of the things. Because it just makes. The, like you said,
1: right? It makes things look lived in and makes it more immersive, right? Oftentimes mm-hmm. you can just ignore them, right? If you're not important, like garbage cans mm-hmm. and stuff, you're just like, oh, okay, I move over that and ignore that. If the, the But if the you still don't often want it. to put it down just to make it look lived in and real, right? If everything mm-hmm. just looks like empty buildings where it's like, why does the tavern have no chairs or <laughs> tables or something like that, right? If you have a, sci- uh, sorry, a fantasy tavern, right? It needs to feel like, You know, there's stuff there that you can do, even if if your your rule set kind of ignores that kind of stuff, right?
0: Yeah, because it's not part of the tactical gameplay, so the rule set doesn't have to cover it. But just as a player, once you've gone beyond just having the basics ready, having that as part of the game is so much better.
1: Yeah, and... and the smaller the or the less you, you need the big pieces to play the overall game, the more time you can actually spend on the smaller, just like evocative pieces of small small terrain to help sell the thing, right? Like putting in bookcases in Frostgrave, right? We're playing on a lot of indoor maps now on Frostgrave, and you know I bought a bunch of bookcases which can
0: help really sell the game that we're playing, right? That's inside. Yeah, the bookcases are a good size. I'm just thinking, like, if you make your buildings, how much of that stuff should be attached to the building and how much should be movable around. But bookcases, I think, are something where you can just sort of put them out each time because they're not super tiny. Yeah. Once you get to super tiny things, trying to, like, put a little shovel yeah. somewhere, is like, okay, maybe that should just be on the terrain. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess the idea is, you know, don't skip your scattered terrain, right? Even if it's mm-hmm. just for making it look lived in. Yeah. All
0: right. Um, anything else? Oh, I was going to talk about like heights and elevation to the game, but I think we already sort of covered that. That mostly comes down into the rule set. If the rule set deals well with having differences mm-hmm. of heights and ability to climb, then it's good to have elevation. Yeah. But I've always not- found
1: that very, very fun. Like in Frostgrave, having elevation, having good sniper perches, uh, perches is good. Uh, in Infinity, it's it's awesome. Uh, it's almost vital for the game to have those kind of you know, multiple elevations so you can look down and shoot or you can have super jump and climb
0: plus and, and make those impactful skills. Um, yeah. Yeah, so in both those games, I think the rule set works well for having elevation because in Infinity, you can activate a guy multiple times per turn so he can go down the terrain then around a bunch of stuff. So the fact that it'll take like five moves to navigate a piece of terrain, mm-hmm. it's fine yeah. if you want. You can do it in that game. In Frostgrave, you can just... The turns keep going and going so you can just keep going around the building if that's what yep. it takes but another game the table were-
1: is smaller so you like getting a sniper perch you really just move them up there on the top and then you know fire bring down fire right but if it was only three turns or five turn four or five turn game oftentimes the movement it takes to get up there is not necessarily worth the extra shot or extra good range that you have also shooting is really really powerful so a sniper perch is really
0: really powerful in Frostgrave. Yes, yeah, so you gotta think about whether you put those sniper perches on, depending on the game you play. So. Yep.
1: All right. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about, or do you want to just wrap up?
0: No, I think from the board from the board builder's perspective, I think that's kind of what I wanted to. That's the kind around. of thing. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. yeah so we gone over like what we think is ideal. Smaller apparently is better. Uh, easier to play. Um, and then what when you actually get to the board that you and a game that you know hopefully has a smaller board right making it easier to play um, what you would want to do to kind of assemble those things uh, to make sure that your board is interesting and things like that
0: um, I guess that's basically it right yeah I think those are the two perspectives like the top-down perspective, yeah. perspective and the bottom up perspective bottom up
1: yeah. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, the games that you choose, it, it, we, we've helped you kind of think about the games that you're playing and maybe why you don't necessarily play a lot of certain games. And, and maybe uh, we've encouraged you to choose some games that make it easier for you to play so you can actually, you know, play more games, right? Uh, reduce the difficulty of actually setting up the battlefield. And then uh, also, uh, once you do set up that battlefield, how to make sure that your uh, table is as fun as it can be. Um that's basically it uh if you are wondering about the game that we're working um it's called blood we're working on it's called blood of stars you can give us a shout and uh, we can send you uh, the working copy of that um you can contact us at contact at dice yep yeah, or find us on facebook
0: or dice over everything
1: all right this has been alan it's been brandon bye